0: You could probably choose a bunch of words and string them together and try to describe Christianity, but it'd be tough to have one word that just really encapsulates, describes Christianity. And, and I was recently reading a book on prayer by Brother Ken Gurley, a pastor in Texas, and he made an argument for one word that I thought, really, I thought, man, that's a great argument, it really stuck out to me. And that word is Surrender. Surrender. We don't think about that too much. Maybe we don't like the concept, but that's really a powerful word. So this morning, I just want to speak on this topic. The topic is, I surrender. I surrender. You see, at least three times in Jesus' earthly ministry, do we read of him crying. Outside the tomb of Lazarus over the city of Jerusalem and in the Garden of Gethsemane. But it was this last time of weeping in the Garden of Gethsemane that was perhaps the most eye-opening. You see in Matthew 26, it says, Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became, became anguished and distressed. He told him, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It's as if Jesus was praying, not me, not about me, not my will, not my way, not my rights, not my opinions, not my hopes, not my dreams. I surrender all of these because obviously we know Jesus is God manifest in flesh, but he's this unique individual that's the only... Only person in human history to be 100% God and 100% man at the exact same time. And so, no doubt, he suffered and he, and he, and he, and he hungered and thirsted. And, he, and, and, and no doubt, there was a, a piece of anxiety. I don't care if he was God. He knew his humanity was about to be beat to a bloody pulp. He knew his humanity. He, it wasn't just the physical anguish, but he was about to take on the guilt and condemnation of the entire world. And so that in that humanity, oh, man, I know my mission. Let this cup pass me by. I know my humanity. And people will say, yes, the victory was won on the cross. And I agree, without the bloodshed, there's no remission. The cross is crucial. But I think there's an argument to be made that the real victory was won actually in the garden. Even before the cross, that as he, he had to sit there and as he prayed and wept and he had to say, no, my flesh, uh, uh, this, this, this body that I'm in, it's, I know it's not going to be something I enjoy and I like, but no, not my will. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm willing to lay my life down. I, and in this time of powerful prayer right before his arrest, it was powerful. It was surrender. You can almost say that surrender is heaven's password. You know the song, I Surrender All, anybody ever heard that song? A Christian hymn published in 1896 with words written by American art teacher and musician Judson W. Van Deventer. Van Deventer eventually became a music minister and an evangelist. And he said of the inspiration of the text of that song, he said, for some time, I quote, I had struggled between developing my talents in the field of art and going into full-time evangelistic work. At last, the pivotal hour of my life came, and I surrendered all. A new day was ushered into my life. I became an evangelist and discovered down deep in my soul a talent hitherto unknown to me. And even though it's not Van De himself, I want you to hear the words as you just close your eyes and think about the words of this song that he wrote, this beautiful
1: hymn. All to Jesus I surrender All to him I free trust him in his presence daily I surrender hmm. All to Jesus I surrender Humbly at his feet To be my
0: What a beautiful, beautiful song. That's why many of you have tears in your eyes. That's why you just, wow. To think about that man's story, but also to think about our story. You and I will never, ever be all that God wants us to be until we can say the words to that song. Until we can go, God. We surrender all, because you know what has, happens is sometimes the anthem of Christianity today is, I surrender some, I surrender some, some to thee, my
1: blessed Savior.
0: You know, I preached in St. Louis Friday night, so I didn't have much voice. And I thought, man, I'd love to just rip that song off and just belt it out. And then I heard Michael English sing, and I was like, there's only one problem. I can't sing like him. <laughs> Even on a strong voice, I can't sing like him. But that's our anthem, right? Because we want to be involved in church. We want God in our life. We're good people. We, want, we consider ourselves Christ followers. But I surrender all Ugh. I do, I do surrender some. I want to give them, maybe, maybe it's "I surrender most. Oh, I surrender most. Most to thee. Right? It can be in our, our anthem. Surrender marks the entrance of where you are now into a deeper level of Jesus Christ. If you've never uttered those words, I'm telling you, you ought to try just to, just to close those eyes and to go, God, I surrender all. I surrender all to you, Jesus. That's powerful. After 20 years, about 20 years before Van Deventer penned the words to I surrender all, A poem was written in 1875 by a man named William Ernest Henley. The name of the poem was *Invictus*. Has anyone ever heard of the poem *Invictus*? There's been, there was nobody yesterday. We got one today. Maybe somebody online. I don't know. But *Invictus* means undefeated or unconquerable in Latin. When Henley was 16 years old, his leg was required. His left leg required amputation due to complications that arose from tuberculosis. And in the early 1870s, after seeking treatment for problems with his other leg, he found out that that was going to require a similar procedure. So now he was going to have to have both legs amputated. One was gone, the other one was going to be amputated. So instead he chose to travel to Edinburgh in August of 1873 to enlist the services of a distinguished uh, English surgeon. That surgeon was able to save Henley's leg, his remaining leg, with surgical interventions on his foot. While recovering in the infirmary, he wrote verses that became the poem Invictus. In the last stanza of that poem reads, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. Look at the last two lines. He said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. No doubt, a traumatic experience having a leg amputated, looking at possibly having another one amputated. But what happens is this thing called life, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some traumatic experiences, difficulties, things that you say, if I could choose a different pad boy, I would. But one person surrendered to God and said, I surrender all. I'm fighting with some things in myself, but I surrender all to you, my blessed Savior. And the other turns inward and relies on self. And today, you're faced with the same two paths. That when things happen in your life, no doubt... People right now, you got stuff going on and you're either going to step back and as hard as it is, go, high, surrender all to thee, my blessed savior, or it will be, I am the master. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. In scripture, the enemy attacked three well-known Old Testament heroes, all fell into sexual sin with women. We have scripture's strongest man, Samson, the most worshipful man, David, and the smartest man, Solomon. That's why I, when people say, well, oh, I would never fall into that. You just better be careful. When you say that, you're saying, I'm 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 a better man than David. I'm stronger than Samson, and I'm smarter than Solomon. So I choose instead to say, no, 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 I'm going to choose the the path of I surrender all to you, Jesus, in in my spirit and in my flesh. I'm going to set up a whole bunch of safeguards to not ever let myself get there. You see... Many Christians quote this famous passage in James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But that's where sometimes we mess up. We say the last part. We're like, resist the devil, and he will flee. Yes. We just have church on that. But you know what a lot of times people do? Is they skip the first part the first part says submit yourselves therefore to God dot 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 resist the devil and he will flee so you know what you know where we spend a lot of our lives is like oh no i'm trying no I'm can't, no, no, I'm, I got to resist, I got to resist, no, no, I got to resist, I can't, I can't, no, I'm, I'm fighting, pastor, I've tried, I've tried to resist my whole life, I've, I keep falling back in these things, I keep trying to resist, I know the Bible says to resist, and I keep trying to resist and deny the flesh, and I just keep trying to resist, can I tell you something that's, this is, might be one of the most powerful things I ever tell you if you get it, the key to victory is not found in resistance. found in submission to your King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> because when I'm focusing on the, the resistance, I'm focusing on the problem and resisting the problem. Resisting the temptation. Resisting that. When instead, it's not about me resisting this. It's about me being submitted to the God of my life, the King of my soul. It's about me saying, Lord, I surrender all. Because when my mind's here, I'm not not worrying about the resisting this. I'm worrying about the submission to this. I'm worried about God. I submit my whole being to you. Because you can try to resist all day long, but when your flesh is not submitted, resistance is eventually futile. And I'll tell you a great quote here. the, The degree of our victory is directly proportional to the degree of our surrender. Who are you? What dreams do you have? What do you want to be in God? What do you want God to do? What, what kind of a revival do you want to see? What, what do you want to see? It's directly linked to the degree of your surrender. Because if we say, well, yeah, no, I want to be mightily used of God, but our song is, I surrender some. Then you're going to have a some level of anointing. You'll still be used by God, but it'll be a sum level of anointing. See, God cannot lead us when we're still leading ourselves. You ever have a toddler, you know, you're like, I, I have three kids, strong-willed kids. and I remind myself regularly that if I channel that, they're going to change the world. Hallelujah. But when we were kids, you know... Another day, a little picture of Kira popped up in her little brown skirt with pink polka dots, and she had brown boots, and she walked like this. This little kid. But they didn't, they didn't go, I didn't go, okay, guys, we're going over here. And my kids just always went, okay, daddy. You know, kids are like, no, no, car, no, Mickey, no, Kendi, no, I mean, they're all about, they want to lead the way. And I don't think, I don't know if we ever grow out of that. Because Jesus is like, trust me, I know the path, I know the way, and we're like, no, no, Mickey, candy, car, house, job, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, and sometimes God's like, no, hang on, just, just, I got this, just, just, just trust me, let me lead the way, and that's why today you go into malls and stuff, sometimes parents have their kids on chains, you know, like those little things around their wrist, I never use those, but I'm like, man, that looks like a good idea, you know, just, if anybody not know what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about chains. Uh, that's not the right word. That sounds terrible, like uh, everybody said it at once, and I don't know what you said. Leash. That sounds bad too, but okay, let's go with it. Like, no, not chains. Leash is better. If anybody's watching this in a different country, they're like, don't go to, don't go to the United States. <laughs> One theologian uses a trapeze as an incredible scriptural illustration. Has anyone ever done a trapeze? Like you yourself, you've actually done the trapeze. Anybody Anybody ever, like if you're here, like, man, I would totally do that. Raise your hand if you'd totally do that. All of this is awesome. One, two, three, four, five. All right, because we actually got one today. You're going to try it. Bring it down. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That'd be pretty awesome, no. No, it wouldn't really be awesome, but um, two primary people are involved in a trapeze. One is, it's deep, ready? It's hard. It's, it's a big, long word. It's one is the flyer and one's the catcher. I thought you could come up with something better than that, but that's what, the, that's what they're called. The flyer and the catcher. The flyer is the one who lets go. And the catcher is the one who takes hold. So who wants to be the flyer? Who wants to be the catcher? And some of the people that raised their hand didn't raise for either one. They're already out. They already quit. (laughs) When my family and I were in Colorado to speak for the near family installation, we decided to go to a place that was, it was probably, we talked about it, it was the coolest part of our trip it was awesome. It was like a daredevil's paradise. And we just thought, we're going to try it. There was rock wall climbing and there was stuff where you would go in these, uh, and there was like stairs that you'd go up and you wore these harnesses with like a rope, but it was still just exhilarating. And I'm not even afraid of heights. I skydived before. I would do it again, but my life insurance doesn't cover it. So my wife won't sign off on it. But Um, Maybe when I'm older, get the kids out of the house, you know, I'll go skydiving again or something. But uh, maybe I'll get her to go with me, that'd be fun. Refuge Church Skydiving Outing, that'd be, that'd be, who's in? Anybody in? Yes, I got about 35, 40% of the church, all right. So, uh, so anyway, so. You wear these harnesses and, and, and you go on these stairs and you, and then there was like this obstacle course where you climb up all these things and walk over like poles and, and then there's, and then you actually walk on this thing that spins that hangs out over the mountainside. And rather than trying to describe all this to you, I want you to see this short video clip of Titus doing this. And the people there were like, I don't think I've ever seen someone so young do it. And I was like, have you met Titus? Okay. <laughs> so check this out. This is one of the things. This canyon.
1: There he is.
0: He has to grab onto the next rope. Yeah. was pretty proud. I'm like, that, that, that really makes you, I mean, I'm telling you, you, you know in your brain, like, I'm strapped to a harness, like, it's gonna be fine. I'm telling you, my palms were sweat. Jackie, at one time, she gets up there, and she's like, Gary, I don't know if I can do this, and it was, I mean, that was that nerve-wracking, as because the thing spins, too, as you walk on it, (laughs) and so, like, you know, one of those log things, and so, This right here is just a couple of the pictures of what you did there, but we did a rock climbing deal that went up quite a bit higher than that. We didn't get the top of it. I had to do it because you'd race on the person, Akira, if you could see her arm on that side. She was talking trash because she had beat a couple of people, and she was like, you know, so I had to get on there and show her what was up because I know in families, oh, you let the kids win, not in the Dornbach family. Ain't happening. You got to earn that victory, okay? And so... The other day, Jude was getting close to me. We were playing one-on-one in basketball, and I'm still recuperating on my ankle. And, and he was actually, like, up on me. And, and so I was like, all right. So I swatted his last three shots. And they were like, what? He's, he's nine. I was like, I don't care. It's too early in life for him to be beaten. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but but this rock-climbing wall, you get to the top, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm up there on the top. And I was like, now what? The guy goes... Just push off and fall backwards. Oh. <laughs> Guys, I sat up there probably 60 seconds. Like, could I make my way back down this thing? <laughs> I had no problem going. I'm not afraid of heights. I got up there, didn't think. To, I, I know my ability. I know my, I, I know my skill level and what I can do. I'm not going to climb Mount Everest, but I can handle this plastic rock wall. And so, so I'm up there, and then I'm like, you're asking me to. Push off and trust this harness and pulley system. And my brain is going, Gary, they've tested this. How do you think they stay in business? It's fine. Just do it. But my body, my my, my, my self-preservation uh, skills and, and senses were going, no, 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 no. That was the hardest thing I did of the whole day. Even walking out over that thing was easier than that, where I had to push off. Because for a second, you push off, and it goes, and then it catches you. And you're like, oh, My palms are getting sweaty just talking about it. Why? Because you know what? It was, for me, I, I, I could go up. I could do it as long as I was in control. But the fear of letting go. The fear of me trusting something beyond my grasp and control. That's why you see those green things. Oh, no, where are they? There. Oh, right there, top corner, there. You would climb, and, you're, and it's the same exact dimension, and it would just go up in a circle till it went really high. And you would just get on there, one, two, three, four. I mean, you'd get about six or eight up. And all of a sudden it's the same exact distance, same exact width. And all of a sudden, you're like. And it took us a couple times. Kira, too, she's not, she's a daredevil. She got up to like the top two. She's like, I can't. And she went back down, but then she conquered it. But that first couple of times, you're like, whoo, you're just you're stepping onto this thing. You gotta harness you went through the first six like nothing, but as you get higher. Something in your body's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you get up there, and again, he says, just fall backwards off the top step. And so you're like, not again. So you're just like, oh. And look, do you see right here? In the top, I made it to the top, but do you notice what I'm doing? Top right corner? I just couldn't bring myself to let go of the support rope. So I had to put that on there and tell on myself, because there I'm like, oh, I'm big and bad, but look at my right hand, still holding on the support rope. You see, it's that fear of letting go. It, and, there's, and this isn't even as intense as a trapeze. This is just a harness and that rock wall and climbing. But you see, in a trapeze world, invisible to the spectators, there's a hard, fast rule that I read about in the world of trapeze. Notice I said read about. I don't want anybody watching online to think that I'm a trapeze artist. Imagine this, if you would, because in a trapeze, when the flyer releases that bar, you know, the the trapeze with the two ropes and and the piece of wood behind it, when the flyer releases that For a moment in time, that flyer is stuck in nothingness. I want you to watch this video so you can get a good visual demonstration. Anybody still signing up to do it? Catcher <laughs> and flyer? See, there's not as many hands that go up for that. There's no way. Once, once you release and you're in the air, it's not like you can go, hold it, wait, whoa, 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 change my mind, let's go back. You let go and for a moment you're caught in air, you're suspended, you're waiting to be caught. One trapeze artist said this, and I quote, The flyer must never, ever try to catch the catcher. Sounds easy enough, right? But I'm thinking of myself in this situation. And I finally mustered enough courage to let go of the bar. I'd be going, woo! But you can never try to catch the catcher. He says he must wait in absolute trust that the catcher will catch him. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. His job is not to flail about in anxiety. I just see myself right now. And he says, in fact, if he does, it will kill him. His job is to be still and wait. And waiting is the hardest work of all. That'll preach, and that's why I'm preaching it. Yeah. Because waiting is the hardest work of all. And sometimes you let go of that bar. And we're going, says, hey, just sit tight. The catcher's going to catch you. The catcher sees you. And we have to build build that security, right? Imagine the first time that somebody walks in to join the trapeze team. It's not like they hand you a resume and say, well, you're hired. You start tonight. No, we got to go through some practice so that you can see how that trapeze is going to work. And, and I could just imagine, not everybody that probably jumps up, let's go the first time. It might be, all right, all right, let me try it again. And there's that nervousness. There's that, woo, And then all of a sudden, that first time that you let go and you're just spinning, and then all of a sudden. Whoa. But guess what? My, my guess is that it gets a little bit easier after you get caught the first and the second and the third time that you go, okay. Before we can go put on a show for someone, first we have to gain confidence in one another. And that's why the Bible will even say things. I was just reading in Hebrews 11 today how how the Bible says God tested Abraham. Because before he takes us to where he wants us to go in him, he gives tests to say, are you going to let me catch you? And some of you have experienced this, even in the stewardship campaign. You stepped out, you let go of the trapeze, and you're like, oh! Catch me, Lord. But what's what's interesting is for some of you that did the campaign, that participated the first time, the second time was less nerve-wracking. Because the first time he caught you very well, and you're like, second time rolls around, you're like, it's fine. But you release that. and, And so don't ever be afraid to release your time and effort and finances, resources to God. God is the one that says, just Trust me, trust. trust me, and perhaps maybe there's someone here or watching online that you're in a moment just like this right now that you are are are, are swinging and you're going should I let go? Oh, I gotta let go. I know I gotta let go, but we're holding, we're white knuckling that that bar, and we're like, oh, I don't know, ah. let go. Trust God. Some of you have already let go and you're suspended right now going like this. And you're going, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Is he going to catch me? I'm here. Did he forget? Did he go to the bathroom? Where is he at? (laughs) Don't flail in anxiety. Just keep doing what you know to do. His eye is on the sparrow. He will not let you fall. He will will not lose sight of you he will not forget you he will not drop you he will not allow you to be injured he will not allow you to to hurt yourself or your family god is your catcher and he will catch you thank you jesus Look what Job said in the, New, in the Old Testament in the midst of his utter chaos. You're going to have chaos in your life. I wish we didn't, but we do. In the midst of his own chaos, you read the story, and in like four verses, the guy loses like family, kids, livestock, riches, his house, his physical health. It was insane. Anytime you're like, oh, I feel like, I hear people sometimes, oh, I feel like Job. I'm like reread the story. I don't know a human being in history that's ever gone through what he's gone through in four verses. Okay. But it says, but look what he says in Job 23 says, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, there it is again, I will come out as pure gold For I have stayed on God's paths, and I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I've not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. But once he has made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants to do, he does so. He will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. I might not always agree. It might not always be easy. It might be really tough at times. But I know when I let go, he controls my destiny. So I make a choice that I'm going to trust. And I'm going to stay on course and stay on plan. See, at some point you trust something. You trust the doctor, the employer, the spouse, the brake job on your car. You trust that whoever set up the traffic lights did it in the right pattern. You trust who poured the concrete and set up the bridge that goes over the water on the highway that they knew what they were doing. You flip that light switch in your house, you trust that the electrician wired it properly. You trust that when the bank sends you a statement that says, we still have your money. Here's the piece of paper that says how much you have. You say, yeah, it's still good. Is it? We certainly hope. But we struggle when God says, trust me, I'll do this. I don't want to trust everybody else more than I trust God. God sees what's going on in your life. He encouraged you to release your your grip. and He's saying, let go, I got you. So we don't have to hesitate. He will catch us. But you're either going to say, I surrender all. Or I am the master of my own fate. I am the captain of my soul. It's not always just a backslidden atheist. No, that's sometimes the person that says, I surrender some. But not that. I'm going to hold on to that and that. But everything else, yeah, God. See, people of faith look at hardship. And although it's not enjoyable or easy, they throw their hands up to God and surrender. Isn't that interesting? That this right here is a universal form of surrender in society and humanity. But God says, hey, when you do that, it actually brings glory to my name. That it brings joy into the presence of heaven. When humanity says, I. Surrender, because this is worship to you. As I take my hands and my humanity says I'm letting go, to you, oh God, I surrender all, Jesus. Oh, it was Corrie ten Boom, and I'm almost done. It was Corrie ten Boom who regularly, she said this, she said, to be a Christian means to hold all things loosely. Because the minute I start clinging to something, that's where my song changes. I surrender some or most. But to be everything that God has called me to be, I have to find a place here in just a moment. And I have to make my anthem be God. I surrender all. Lord, I surrender all, that has to be
1: my prayer.
0: See I don't want to focus on resistance anymore, I want to focus on submission. If I submit to God and let go, resistance naturally follows, but I got to let go of the rope, I got to push back off the rock wall and trust the harness that it was designed, it's going to do what it was designed to do. At some point, I have to say, I'm sick of trying to control my own path. I'm sick of trying to cling to certain things that I've really enjoyed and loved, but God's saying, let go, let go. I want to take you to new depths, new heights. I want to to use you to accomplish great and mighty and miraculous things. But a lot of times we say, okay, God, I'm interested, but can you do it while I'm still holding on to this? It's time we begin to sing the words to the famous song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly At his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. He says, all to Jesus. I surrender. Make me Savior holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. If this is your, your prayer of your heart, I, I invite you to come to the front and to find a place and pray right now and, and, and even verbalize those words if you don't seem as fine, but to maybe just raise those hands and say, God, truly. I surrender all to you, God. I don't want to say I surrender some. I surrender most, a large majority. God, there's nothing in my hand. I don't want anything in my hand when I open my hand to you. I want to say it's all yours, God. I surrender time, talent, treasure. I surrender every part of my life. It's yours, God. Use me. Use me to further your kingdom, your message, your, your plan, God. I don't want, I, I want to be fully everything that God wants me to be. I don't want to chase and say, God, please elevate me. I don't want to say, oh God, I'm not anything good. I, I want to say, God, I want to be nothing more and nothing less than what you're calling me to be. And so whatever that takes, I surrender all. I'll do whatever I need to do. I just, I just want to be what you want. I just want to step into the areas of my life where you want me to be. I, I, I surrender everything God. Uh, Surrender all today, Lord. Surrender. I'm not holding anything back. I free. Oh, I will ever love and trust him. i get your prayer. Never said that to him. Make those your make those words your words.